My mommy always said there were no monsters, no real ones, but there are. Yes, there are, aren't there? Why did they tell little kids that? Okay, we are here. We are rolling. Uh, we're we're off to an interesting start. <laughs> Jack, Jack has already sampled a drink on the bar. He's not sure about it. Uh, this is the uh, uh, the uh, I was going to say the aliens in whiskey. Maybe we've all had too much of a drink on the bar. <laughs> this is the Heroes in Whiskey podcast. We are on episode seven. The title is "Tell Aliens Not Alien" and definitely not Boba Fett. Uh, so the drink on the bar is the Chest Burster Martini. Uh, so shockingly, this is a drink that I made it myself. So I am normally not a gin guy, but I'm a sucker for packaging. So I found this Grey Whale gin, which I actually thought was really good. It's good, like, sipping gin. And then I threw some elderflower um, liqueur on it, some raspberry stuff. And then, oh, the key ingredient is that it has to, you have to have a whiskey ball. So it's like the alien egg in there. <laughs> what are you laughing at? That's it's all about the appearance. That's not selling me on the drink. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, uh, you, you pour the raspberry stuff in last, and then it runs all over the top of the whiskey ball, and the whiskey ball cracks, and it looks like an alien egg. And first, and yes, just like that. Uh, so J- Jack's not totally convinced on the. Uh, the martini idea. Technically, it's not really a martini, um, but you have to admit that the name Chestburster Martini is pretty badass. It is. It's a very good name uh, for a drink that I don't know if it matches up to the status of the name. <laughs> this is batch number 25. Batch number 25. Out of the whole world, I'm assuming, how much they've sold, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the last batch was. They're probably all 25, and they just put that on there to to make you think it's special. (laughs) Well, no, it's not a, you know, it's not a bad sipping gin by any means, but it's definitely, if we're not used to the, uh, you know, martini (laughs) style, it's definitely a... Yes, that is, that is correct, and so this is our first, like... 100% 100% alcohol drink. So we'll see how, how we all feel when we get to the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so before we dive into the meat of it, and oh, great, Jack's mixing things. <laughs> what does this take like? Uh, mm, good. Right. I mean, uh, what, he's putting a little triple sec in there. there. Okay, oh, yeah, that is going to make it better. I don't know, maybe it will. Right. Clear out your sinuses. Little blueberry bye. And a little more blood to it. There we go. That'll taste pretty good. Um, all right. So the the question for today before we dive into the the topic is, what is a story from your childhood, your favorite story from your childhood that maybe we haven't talked about yet? I'll let Jack go first, unless you haven't thought of anything yet. Favorite, <laughs> well, no, no, no. Favorite story yeah. from my childhood that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think... Hmm. I don't know. We've talked about a lot from my childhood. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You can go first. All right. What do you think? Uh, well, so, I, you know, when I was growing up, um, we didn't have movies or TV all the time. And so we did, I did read a lot. And so there was this book uh, that's more popular with people of my generation called Watership Down. Okay. And so... It, it, anybody who's listening who's my age will immediately be re-traumatized by just the mentioning of the name Watership Down. So Watership Down is a story about these rabbits, of all things, that like go. they have to leave their home because the bad man is coming in and plowing up their... Uh, they're Warrens, and then they run in. They encounter all these all these other groups of rabbits that represent like uh, different uh, different modes of society. Like, there's one that's really violent. There's one that's totally passive, and lets the farmers do whatever. And um, so, it's actually I mean, it's a very very popular uh, book, especially over in the UK. And Watership Down is actually like a real place. Um, but then they made it into this cartoon uh, back in the, I don't know, early 80s, late 70s. 
And so, like, you go to see this movie, you're 10 years old, and there's this part at the end where the rabbits start fighting each other. And it's like one rabbit will bite into another rabbit. And it's all done in like fairly realistic style. Will bite into another rabbit. The rabbit will fall over. Blood oozes out of the rabbit. And the rabbit like breathes a couple of times and dies. <laughs> and this goes on for like 25 minutes. Oh. This like brutal rabbit, rabbit on bite. rabbit violent. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's Forget like CGI battles. Yeah, so it, it's like this really deep, meaningful story about yeah, yeah, community yeah. and family and all of this other stuff. But then there's like this <laughs> rabbit on rabbit violence, mm-hmm. especially in the movie. The uh, the book is not quite as traumatic. So, anyways, mm-hmm. that, that that's one that I still like. Um, okay, I have a couple things. One of them, one of the things that comes to mind is we haven't we talked a little bit about like the MCU, but we haven't yeah. really dove into it. Uh-huh. And I think that's such a I would consider that part of my childhood okay. because I was like, what, like 12 or 13 when yeah. Iron Man came out? Yeah. And, um, yeah, maybe even younger. That was yeah. a while ago. Yeah. And I remember because all those movies always have come out around my birthday. Right. And so I remember like going around my birthday to yeah. see Iron Man and then Endgame coming out 10 years later saying, I don't think yep. we've really talked about that too much or given it enough credit yet. Right. Um, yep. So I think that's a really good one. And then the other one that's like really along the lines of the things that we have been talking about mm-hmm. is Narnia. Mm, yeah. Like the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first one, right? Is that the first movie? I know it was a book yeah, the first, first movie. But, yeah. Not the first book, but yeah. yeah. But that was like, I remember that being really cool mm-hmm. when I was a kid too. Like it was never on the level of like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Right. But like thinking back to it, it's like, it's basically kind of like, Lord of the Rings just repurposed yeah, right. and a little more childish and in a different yeah. package. Um, I remember almost zero details <laughs> of those <laughs> movies, but I remember it being the coolest thing of like, yeah. like, oh, there's like this secret world yeah. that like nobody has any idea about. Mm-hmm. And then it's like from a kid's perspective, yes, you enter into I like, yeah. yeah, I just thought it was really cool. I'd have to rewatch those uh-huh. and I never really read the books um, or the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we haven't talked too much about that, and I think right. that's in the same vein. Yeah, well, and vein, what's yeah. uh, what's weird to think is like, uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien would like sit around in the bar drinking whiskey and smoking their cigars and their pipes, mm-hmm. and then they turned out two of these. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, two of the most popular. Do they know each other? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, two of the most popular uh, adventure. Uh, sagas uh, of all time. I thought you were going to say the one. What was the one with the cats? The cats. You read all those books with the cats. A warrior cats. <laughs> I don't oh know. my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> See if you now, were, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> well, if you were, I don't even remember. I was like nine, ten, probably. Right. Those books. I don't. If anybody listening knows the Warriors Cats books, right? Not the Thundercats. The Warrior no, 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 Cats. Not the Thundercats. The Warrior Cats. I was obsessed with those, probably because my cousin Alexis was, and she showed them to me, and then I was absolutely obsessed with them. I don't. Again, I don't remember anything <laughs> about those books really now, but it's right. it's like clans of cats, right? Like cats, like actual cats. Yes. Like fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Watership Down only with cats. Basically, yeah. Right. And like now everybody thinks of cats and media as like the movie Cats. Oh, right. So yeah. it like kind of tainted that <laughs> image a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. as books, when you, you know, maybe yeah. don't think of them as cats and more of like characters. Right. There. Yes. It was actually really, really good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. All right. All right. So let's jump into it. So th- this is not necessarily like a review or a critique of. Uh, any movie or any anything like that, what, like we've done in the past. What I what I was hoping to do is um, uh, talk about a couple of different movies, Aliens and Alien specifically, and uh, look at their models of storytelling and kind of look at what's relevant for us in real life. And so, you know, we've talked about the story clock and the hero's journey and the character web and all of those things. And so the reality is that... Um, Story is this universal mode of communication. I mean, think about how much time you spend in any given day telling stories. You know, you go to work, you tell stories about what happened at home. You come home, you tell stories about what happened at work. You know, you tell stories about what's what's going on with your friends. Um, 
And, you know, in some cases, you like you may have a job where your job is telling stories like you're, a, you know, a content creator or you make videos or you write a lot or maybe you even just like give presentations at work or that kind of thing. Um, and I know we've got a couple of dungeon masters, you know, maybe your hobby is creating these worlds for people. And so uh, storytelling is just this uh it, it's this universal way that we have of connecting with each other. And so one of the things that I've really been fascinated with over the last couple of years is like, what, what does a good story look like with story structure? And that's, that's kind of what prompted this podcast. Um, and it's helpful to look through the lens of uh, people who have done it before. And so again, this started out as a, uh, um, kind of an alien and aliens thing, but then uh, the book of Boba Fett came along, and we talked about this a little bit last week. But it struck me watching the book of Boba Fett that that show uh, is very much like I think one of the issues that I had with that show is that it it was awkward, clunky storytelling, mm. w- which is very much uh, how a lot of people, myself included. Um, tell stories as we go through the day. You know, somebody asks us about something and we dive right into it. Uh, you know, we don't think about what our answer is. We don't think about what's going to be the answer that, like, moves this person to to do something. And Boba Fett felt very much like that. And so I just want to start talking about um, the book of Boba Fett a little bit. Again, this is not meant to be, a, like, a critique of the the story or whether it was entertaining or not. Um, it's just a, a look at how how they structured that story, and so um, so that you know the start of every story is like the sense of anticipation that you're gonna experience something cool, and so when you're talking to somebody like, hey, this thing happened at work, mm-hmm. like the expectation is that Tell that will me. be interesting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so again, that's true at work. If you're a content creator, like when you first start with something, there's this sense of anticipation that it's gonna be something really good that's like the hook right like in any traditional story that's labeled like the hook of the story yeah and it's not even like you may not even know what the story is about but if i say ah when or if i ask you a question like hey what happened at work um you know i don't expect you to say well first i made a coffee yeah (laughs) you know you expect to hear these stories about uh people and conflicts and, and and that kind of thing and um, so, you know, Boba Fett starts, Book of Boba Fett starts out, you get kind of introduced to the character and how he got to where he is now. One of the things that I noticed about, uh, Boba Fett is there isn't much of a theme to it. And Mandalorian always had this theme, this tension between the way of the Mandalorian, you know, this is the way and his relationship with, uh, with baby Yoda. And so he was always torn between, uh, these higher principles uh, of who he was and where he came from, and this sudden newfound relationship uh, with this with this other character, and so there's there's this theme of like, uh, you know, are you who other people define you as, or you know, can you be your own person? <clears throat> and so there's not much of a theme like that in in Boba Fett. It feels very much like you're watching things happen. And I think this is true of us when we tell stories, you know, when you start telling a story and it's like one thing after another, after another, and then you go off on this tangent and it turns out maybe the tangent, like in Boba Fett is more interesting than the actual Mm -hmm. story itself. uh, And it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the story itself. And then you realize you're off track and you come back to the story uh, and then you're like, uh, well, I got to wrap up the story and give it some payoff. And so then you throw a bunch of crap into the the payoff. Um, and so you get to the end and you're like, okay, I just heard about some things that happened, but I don't really feel like I've, it, this doesn't change how I, you know, uh, approach relationships or how I approach the world. This doesn't change my thinking about things. It just feels like I've, uh, you know, just watched something happen and so that kind of like that's not necessarily a bad thing you know it's fine to be just entertained and be just like brainless this is fun but you know the the stories that really matter are the ones about characters overcoming challenges and becoming better versions of ourselves and so again as we're like thinking about the role of storytelling in our own lives 
we can take that storyteller's mindset and um, and use it to to our advantage. Um, so, like this is just a really um, simple example, but a very kind of common one. Somebody called me at work and was uh, interested in the background of a position that we had open in our department, and. Uh, you know, I could, what I should have done is lay it out as, uh, you know, we work with a population that's really struggling to achieve their dreams and do what they want with their lives. And this is what our department, you know, so there's like some thematic element and some thematic buildup. But what I did instead is just kind of went into the routine of this is what the person does every day. This is who you interact with. And it was kind of just back and forth all over the place. And so I did not create a very compelling presentation of what the job was or what the organization was. Um, and so the person ended up not even applying for the job. I don't know if it was because of our conversation, but I was like, if I had done a better job, maybe this would you know, seem more appealing. Um, and so we have dozens of those conversations every single day. And so it, it felt like to me, looking back, like I told the book of Boba Fett, which was just kind of all over the place. Occasionally I would catch, catch on to like the big themes, the big ideas, but then you'd go off into the minutiae. And so it's, you know, again, it was not a, a very disciplined, structured approach. I uh, think that's super interesting. Cause like, <clears throat> I mean, I, <laughs> at the time of recording this podcast, I still have not seen the book of Boba Fett, no. but I think before even you, you know, discuss all that, you got to kind of figure out as the producer, the creator, whoever, like, what's the goal yeah. of the piece of content? Mm -hmm. Like, and like you, you had touched on it earlier a little bit, like maybe the goal of the book of Boba Fett was not to create some big right. thematic yeah, thing. Like mm -hmm. maybe their ship of that is the Mandalorian. Yep. And the book of Boba Fett is just the like, like, yes, he did get out of the Sarlacc pit. You right. want to see it on screen? Here yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right, like exactly. maybe that's mm -hmm. what their goal was. And then yeah. later in the season, they developed some ideas and maybe, you know, had some moments and stuff like that. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and I think like for you and your work, yeah. the goal was to try and sell this person on the position mm -hmm. or to try and get them to right. take the position. Right. If you are trying to sell somebody, and that's why where I think a lot of coming from an objective standpoint of mm -hmm. like, like I haven't seen the book of Boba Fett, whatever. Like if you if your goal with the piece of media mm -hmm. or with the conversation or with the story, whatever, is to create a theme, entertain stuff like that, the Mandalorian hits it right, right. on the head. It's a new character with mm -hmm. new struggles, ideas, bigger thematic elements than than we've seen before. Um, in like a TV show, Star right. Wars media, like it's new, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so when you think of the book of Boba Fett, I think a lot of people were going into it like you know expecting the same thing. They mm -hmm. were like, "Well, I want, I just want like a better Mandalorian. Like yeah. it's the Boba right. Fett, so it's got to right. be like you know a better Mandalorian, mm -hmm. right?" We don't know. I mean, maybe the producers approached it that way, but from a creative level, like if you think, if you think they were approaching the Mandalorian exact same way as the book of Boba Fett, like it, it, they, they had to approach them differently because mm -hmm. in the space of time and whatever. And so, so I think, yeah, it's really important to take into account that like goal yep. of like, sure. what, what are you trying to do with the storytelling? Because yep. I think that dictates, you know, there is this story structure that we on this podcast always reference back to, mm -hmm. but, um, is that necessary for yeah. every single sure. piece of, right content and media and mm -hmm. and it does that always fit people's expectations mm -hmm. no right it doesn't yeah but i mean it's the same thing with like albums and like mm -hmm. songs and stuff like that and like do they always fit people's expectations no right but does it accomplish what the creator of it set out to do yeah right probably mm -hmm. better mm -hmm. <laughs> than yep. other things that they created you know yep. um so yeah, it's just something interesting to think about. Mm -hmm. Like, like it, it, I think the goal of the storytelling too is just as important as the storytelling itself. Yeah, no doubt, know? no doubt. And you know, I think, I think as storytellers, whether it's big or small, um, you know, we we want to tell stories that uh, last and persist. And yes, they can be entertaining. And there were plenty of episodes of The Mandalorian where it's like 
we're going to go on this adventure and nothing is going to change in the overall story arc, but this is going to be fun to see Mando and baby Yoda, you know, and there are different approaches to things. So that, that is like pure entertainment is absolutely, uh, you know, a valid purpose for, uh, for your media. It, It was just a little surprising to me with Boba Fett that there was not any kind of, uh, bigger theme because, uh, you know, he had been presented, um, as this kind of cold-blooded, ruthless bounty hunter. And so there were opportunities for that, but and that's fine. Yeah. Um, so anyways, moving on. So the the two movies that I wanted to compare and contrast are Alien and Aliens. Um, they are two, uh, two of my top 10 movies um, easily. And they're, you know, it's interesting because they have very, they have similar characters and similar things that happen, but their story structures are very different. And so my, um, the theory that I want to posit is that aliens with an S is, uh, when we're telling stories, we want to mimic what aliens does, not alien. And so alien is a more, uh, more of a traditional horror film and horror films uh, generally do not typically follow the the hero's journey because that's not really what they're about. I mean, sometimes they do, but not always. Um, so, you know, it's it's not clear in Alien who the main character is or if there even is one. There's no character arcs to speak of. You have the, uh, you know, the, the final girl in air quotes who uses her wits and bravery to outsmart the bad guy. But that's not necessarily an arc um, from anything that we've seen earlier. She was not the opposite of that earlier. Um, and so uh, Alien also has some traditional tendencies. It's got this typical three-act structure. But again, like what's missing with Alien, like with Boba Fett, is that there's no, not necessarily any theme. So we're just kind of mm-hmm. watching things happen. There is this theme of the company is trying to screw you over, uh, which gets introduced later. But it's not really like any kind of driving force. It's nothing that the characters really talk about. And Alien actually has really good uh, character web. We had talked about this before. We have characters with differing points of view, and every conversation is like this uh, push and pull and this tension between these two characters. But there's no one who's like pulling the other people to be a better version of ourselves. And so a lot of our... A lot of our storytelling ends up being very much like Alien, where it's just like this point-by-point description of what happens. And some of those things may be exciting or interesting, but it doesn't necessarily like cause the listener to rethink, uh, you know, how they handle relationships, how they handle, you know, it's just like you told me things that happened. Yeah, right. right? Um, and on the flip side, uh, Aliens is more of a traditional hero's journey or heroine. Um so we get this very clear three-act structure where we learn more about Ripley. Um, she's obviously had this traumatic event. We learn about her job. The director's cut actually, I think, is a much better version of this movie because they set up uh, her relationship with her daughter, who she left mm-hmm. and now has returned 87 years later, and her daughter has passed away. And so she was not able to be a mother to her daughter, she reluctantly joins the mission, which again is kind of a, a hero's journey kind of thing. Um, and then there's this series of mini adventures where she, over the course of the movie, amps up her her bravery and her confidence. She becomes more of a mother to uh, to Newt. And then there's this final act that plays out in real time, and it ends up ends with this kind of mother versus mother mm-hmm. battle. And so there's two very clear themes that are established in the first act. One is this idea of corporate greed, which is carried over from Alien, but is much more front and center with this one, this whole idea that um, the company cares more about the alien than they care about you. Uh, and then also this mother dynamic, and again, especially in the the director's cut. I think that would be a really interesting... Um, Podcast? Yes. <laughs> like exploring, because I think a lot of the times, like, I think, yes, everything you said, I think is great mm-hmm. there. Like, I definitely agree. And in those movies, I think Aliens does such a much better job of setting up those themes and like kind of exploring them mm-hmm. a little bit. And I know you 
I've never seen the director's cut. Yeah, I don't think, but I know you've explained to me before. If I've showed cut. it to you, I've showed you the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you, <laughs> then you probably show me the director's <laughs> cut. Um, but that would be an ins- that's an interesting thing to explore, like the director's cut, and how in media that is portrayed and how it's marketed yeah. and is it really a director's cut and like whole Snyder thing with Justice League yeah, and yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. anyways just maybe maybe a little teaser for yeah okay all right future podcast idea um and so so what does this mean for all of us right and so that I think the hardest discipline especially in like the real time of life is to put yourself in the storyteller's mindset right because when somebody says something like, yeah, I asked you, hey, what do you do for your job? Or how was your day at work? Like you, you, your immediate reaction is not to say, hmm, let me tell an interesting story. Um, but it's to you know, say the things that happen. And uh, what makes it, and, and this is not necessarily about like, um, well, you know, we all know people who are really good at, telling stories and you know that as soon as they open their mouth and they start going down this path you're like totally sucked in totally engaged and how can we be better at that um uh, just as communicators and as people in relationship with other people and um and so you know the for the rest of this episode i just want to talk about what this this discipline looks like and you know some ideas for how we can all start practicing this uh, this discipline of being better storytellers. And again, this is kind of regardless of uh, the mode where you tell stories. So if you're a dungeon master, you're setting up this adventure for your friends that you're going to go on for the next three months. Mm-hmm. Or you're a video creator and like you have to make a video for a client. Or you know you're at work and you have to convince other people on your team to do something. Anytime you're in that mode where you're like, you want to get people engaged in what your your mission is and what your theme is. These are these are some strategies for doing that. Yeah. Um, so, like the first thing that you want to do, and this goes back to the story clock idea, is to think about your story over time. So, you know, are you having a two minute conversation? Is it an, an eight minute video that you're making for somebody? Are you doing a fifteen minute PowerPoint? Or like I said, are you doing like a um, you know, a 12-week a D&D campaign. And so what you want to do is you want to spend the first kind of 20 to 25% of your time setting up the themes and the character and the conflict. And the way you do that is like the people are the embodiment of the thematic conflict. You've got people who are making safe choices and foolish choices or ethical choices or evil choices. Like you've, you've even talked at work or about people at work who like, have one approach to work versus your approach. We will not go into too many details in case there are people from work who happen to be listening. We won't do that. (laughs) But, but you know, it's like those are the stories that are interesting because you have two people who have two very different approaches to the same thing. And like that conflict and that, that tension, uh, like that's the part of it that makes it interesting because we're listening and we're like, uh, are we more like this person or are we more like the other person? And like where, you know, what do we actually think about work and the value of work? And so there are like these thematic ideas that come out of uh, stories like that that make them uh, interesting. And so this whole idea that people are the embodiment of this conflict. And I, uh, we just finished watching Game of Thrones. We'll have a separate discussion about that. Oh, you guys finished? finished we it? did. Nice. We did, but G- Game of Thrones was really good at always pairing characters together with conflicting viewpoints and so they would they would find ways that to pair off different characters to go off on their you know adventures and they would they would always be in tension because they had different points of view about stuff and so again this this uh the tension between people is the thing that draws us in as an audience and so once you've set up all the themes and the character and the conflict that you have to end with like something that happens that uh, changes the rest of the story. Like somebody has to make a decision to do something, to be a better version of themselves. And I go back to story. I, I, 
I have an example that I want to give of you from a story from work, <laughs> but I, I don't actually want to do that. I mean, we um, could, we could, we could. Yeah, but you, like you gave an example of where you, you were working at a task and you really wished that other people would help you with that task and they did not. Mm-hmm. But you decided to keep going and yeah. doing that task. Like you could have done what everybody else did and just bailed, but you decided that you wanted to work hard and finish that task. I do remember this. Yeah. Right. And so like <laughs> that's the idea. Like, uh, again, it doesn't have to be anything major, but it's like you made a decision to move forward and do a certain thing, which yeah. changed the outcome for, um, for everybody else. Um, so like here, here's a very simple, a very common example. And this comes actually from, uh, Donald Miller's story brand. So like someone asks you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the common reaction is, you know, oh, well, I'm an auditor for a government agency or whatever it is that you do. I am not an auditor for a government agency and neither is Jack. Um, Maybe. You know. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You no so someone idea. asked you what you do and the, the, com- the very common response is to like give them your job description. Um, but there are ways to approach this that are way more engaging and ways to engage people uh, in your mission, right? So instead of saying, well, I'm an auditor for a government agency, you say something like, you know, there's been this real decline in public trust of the government. One of the ways that our agency is trying to restore that trust is through greater transparency and a review of how we spend people's tax money. And so you, you enter into that conversation thematically, Mm-hmm. And you get to the end of the line like that, you know, people are interested in more transparency. Like the, you can't just stop there, mm-hmm. right? The the person wants to know how you solve yeah. that problem. So you set up this theme, you've set up this conflict, and you've set up the role of your company in resolving this conflict. So being, you know, people want to hear how it all gets resolved. And so you set up this theme of trust versus distrust, and people are like, I don't, I don't trust the government. So what do you do to help me trust the government? That kind of thing. Um, and so regardless of what you do, you know, you probably got into that job because you were sold thematically on what the company did. And so you, you know, you have the opportunity to enter into this uh, response to what do you do thematically. And that's, I mean, that's like almost touching into like the marketing side. And that's such an interesting thing. I was watching some user videos early today, just kind of talking about like um, storytelling and how different. Uh, I mean, the video was more like Hollywood. Yeah. Like how Hollywood brings in like mm-hmm. um, different like genders into like into like oh why do guys want to watch one thing and girls oh, want to watch another yeah. thing? You know? uh-huh. And it was a very interesting video, very very well done. Um, but but kind of you know jumping off that point like it almost gets into the marketing side of of psychology and stuff like that mm-hmm. like like what do you what do you as like a boss tell somebody in a job interview like you were saying earlier yeah. um and, and the baseline of that goes back to just like you said the storytelling like how how does how do you sell your thing because at the end of the day that's what everybody's doing, right? Like, like they, the creators at Disney and Lucasfilm or whatever studio, I don't even know right. at this point anymore, but whatever studio is behind that, yeah. how do they sell and get people to watch and on board with the Book of Boba Fett? Yep. How do you, as a content creator of video games or music or whatever it may be, sell your yep. image and mm-hmm. your brand and, and, and that's not necessarily like shilling out right it, no. that's not the same thing as right. shilling out we can discuss that more in different yeah. episodes and stuff. Mm-hmm. but like how do you get people engaged and on brand with that and i think storytelling is such a huge part of that because yep. if you can't tell stories like then you are never going to hook anybody in Right. You're never going to be interesting to people. Yeah. And people don't care about people who aren't interesting. Like, that's, yeah. that's not no, even that's like true. a society thing. It's yeah. just like bottom line. And so it's definitely like it, that example that you were talking about is like, yeah, you can't just stop there. Like, right. you now you've set up this thing. 
that you right. need to finish. Resolve? Yeah, yeah, you need to resolve it. It, mm-hmm. it needs to co- come to a come to fruition. Um, and, and and what gets people engaged is that conflict. Yep. Right, and that's what hooks people. Right, and then people stay for what's the resolution? What's the, yeah. the thing that gets people right. engaged first is conflict, and sometimes yep. that can be funny. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of times in like the the video. I'm pretty plugged into like the video game space. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. lot of times in that space where people make content that's funny or yeah. engaging. Right. But that content is funny or engaging because people are fighting. Yeah, right. Stuff like that, yeah, or exactly. people have. Yep. Think about like Jar Jar Binks or Qui Gon mm-hmm. Jinn. Yeah. A lot of people hate Jar Jar Binks, sure. But some of their interactions specifically are funny. Jar Jar right. Binks is like going about this, like, <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> Qui Gon Jinn yeah. is this like serious Jedi. Yeah, right. He's like spent his whole life like mm-hmm. studying the Jedi way. He's yeah. like, he's like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> like this, I can't yep. believe that I've spent like seventy years doing this, and now this, yeah, this you know stupid little alien is <laughs> running around like <laughs> yeah but that what it's supposed to do <laughs> in episode one is yeah. create those like conflict but right. there's supposed to be comedy out of it yeah and so i think that's even a level above the conflict yeah it's like a, a, i think that's a master class of how to truly hook somebody into a story right. it's like not only do you have two conflicting ideas yeah or two conflicting themes. Right. But also you have twisted that in a way where people think it's funny. Yeah. Like what a way to play on every single emotion yeah. that a human is feeling, right? Yeah. Well, and you had mentioned Marvel earlier and this mm-hmm. is a, like what you just said is something that I think Marvel does uh, really, really, really well, yeah, yeah. which is, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they set characters in conflict with each other and, but it's it's written in such a way that someone can say something that's funny that's also conflicting with somebody else. Like you think about the inter, uh, like interaction between like Tony Stark and uh, and Captain America or Bruce Banner. So like you know Bruce Banner is kind of his equal, but they've got this pissing contest to see who's actually yeah. the smartest. And so it, you know you've got the and with Captain America, it's like. Uh, you know, should we do this noble thing or should we not do this noble thing? Mm. And, and so they're able to write it in such a way where the the banter is also this tension between these two characters. And so, yeah, I, I mean, they, they do it really well. And the, the you know, so this, the second part of the story that you tell people, uh, this is where you get into these are the things that happened, you know, you kind of talk through the different steps to get you to to the resolution but again the 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 conflict is always more interesting than the progress Mm um you know that each step that you take there was some conflict there some people were pulling in one direction some people were pulling in another direction and what what got you to the next thing so what were the decisions that people made that caused the next thing to Mm. happen I think it's all about timing too. Mm-hmm. Like when you have a scene, like when you talk about that, I don't know if you're referencing this specifically, but in the first Avengers, there's a scene when they all first come together, and yeah, it's like Tony Stark's having the pissing contest uh, with uh, Bruce Banner, uh-huh. and the Captain America's there, and Thor is there, yeah. and Nick Fury is there, and so they're all like, I don't think Black Widow or Hawkeye are there, but they're all kind of like have a bunch of different views, mm-hmm. but they like have to work together yeah, to like, right. you know, solve something. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, the progress is going to be there. Um, but I think it's all about timing too, especially in some kind of media or something like that, like some kind of visual media or like a movie or a video or something like right. that. Like if you, if you are creating and you are conscious of the fact that you're creating this character conflict, yeah, if you let it go too long, mm-hmm. it can get very exhausting for people to see and yeah. they'll start to, and maybe you want this depending on what your goal is. Again, just circling back to that, what your goal is in the movie, right. but it can be very exhausting for audiences to see like, you know, conflict or something like that um, in such a large dose all at once. Yep. But if you can resolve that conflict um, or progress, but the conflict still exists, Right. Like, exactly. I think, again, going back to the MCU, 
Like, that's something they do absolutely successfully. Like, three-fourths through their four-phase thing yeah. on your, you know, decline of the story arc yeah. over 10 years, Civil War comes out. Right. And all your heroes are, <laughs> all your heroes are separated, <laughs> yep. you know? Mm-hmm. And so what they, I think they do an incredibly powerful job of timing their their conflicts and their progress right. and their resolutions um, because I think that's really important for viewer n- and not just like maybe on the YouTube video retention or whatever, yeah. but, but, but enjoyment and like for people, people watching, like if you want them to feel something specific, like you have to be able to convey that story. Yeah. Like you said to whoever's wondering about the job or whatnot, you have to be able to convey that story and resolve that conflict. Right. Unless you have a different goal in mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's, I don't really have a good segue. <laughs> that's kind of, you know, there, there was some excellent there. storytelling. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, a one part story, not a two multiple part story. Uh, yeah. When, so the, like the other thing that came to mind when I was uh, thinking about this, uh, and this is for you, uh, you D and D players out there. So D and D introduced this thing many, many years ago called character alignment, which is like, kind of the the personality of your character. Are they chaotic good or chaotic neutral? Or mm-hmm. I can't remember what all of them are. And so, you know, if you're trying to create this world where um, people are engaged, a really good way to do that is to create situations where those personalities come into conflict and... Uh, everybody has to work together exactly like like you were saying. And so it's like you have two different points of view. What are we going to end up doing that moves us forward to the the next thing? Mm -hmm. And and so I think the most important part of all of it is obviously you have to, you have to get to a point where you resolve the conflict and maybe it ends well, maybe it ends poorly. It doesn't really make a difference, but it does actually have to, to come to, to an end. And, where does everyone who was involved stand because because of it, you know? And how do we feel about this central theme or conflict uh, based on where we ended up? And so I think, uh, you know, for for us as as storytellers, uh, the important part of this is the the discipline of storytelling. Um, no. no, we're not having technical issues. <laughs> yeah, so the the it's this discipline of storytelling and uh, being able to like in that moment where somebody asks you a question like, "Hey, what do you do?" to avoid the uh, kind of instinctive reaction, which is to just like tell the Boba Fett version of the story mm-hmm. and tell the the aliens version of the story, where you can set it up thematically you know take a breath like what's what's the arc that we want the person to go on set it up thematically set up the conflicts and then resolve those conflicts um and so one of the best bits of creative advice that i've ever heard was from uh the director Werner herzog in his master class where he talks about being uh really proficient and efficient with your communication and he talks about how learning poetry is really a good way to do that because it forces you to be like, how can I get, how, how can I say the most with the least amount of words? And so it, it's just a good, so I would en- encourage you who are listening, um, if you in any way tell any stories, and I believe that you do, to, to think about yourself as a, a storyteller, no matter what the situation is, mm-hmm. and to work through this discipline of what's the theme, what's the conflict, who are the characters, what did they do, and then how did everything get resolved? I think um, I think that's a really, really good quote, because I was actually going to talk about this earlier, mm-hmm. um, this idea, without even having heard that quote <laughs> before, like, mm-hmm. in... Like a, a really good way, yeah, is, is poetry. But I think another really good way in today's world that is especially powerful in today's world is music. Yeah, uh, I and, agree. I agree. And like, like a lot of people diss on the like, 
like pop writing and the pop mm-hmm. industry and whatever. Um, and there's definitely different things to be said about different genres of music and how they're used. And yeah. I could talk about that for hours. <laughs> right. But but like the the people who can craft the most simply written but most hard hitting right. verses or lines or courses are it, it is the music that is going to resonate with the most yeah. people. So maybe like um somebody listen, listens to you know a juice world song and mm-hmm. is like well i don't care why you know blah 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 blah. yeah i don't know what juice world's in the studio but whatever he said mm-hmm. in his song right i mean maybe it wasn't him who knows yeah. there's so much to get into <laughs> but, but but my point is my point is songwriting is such a good way to resonate with so yep. many people yes but it's such a hard creative task because it's done right. so simply and i think you right. know werner herzog put that incredibly well right like you think about a movie it's two and a half hours yeah. typically ish around two to like three hours ish yeah somewhere in there you have two to three hours yeah it's not a long time right think about your life is 80 years long right right two to three hours is not a long time yeah. to set up that that's two to three hours out of a day yeah it takes weeks to be like make a decision or like make a good thing like right and these movies are about you know saving the world and superheroes yeah. and right. the universe and the galaxy <laughs> and right. stuff, stuff like that you uh-huh. know and so that is such an art form and i think um pop music is like a, a loose reflection of that like yep. like telling an incredibly compelling story to a large I mean maybe your your goal isn't a large audience yeah. but um, telling an incredibly compelling story to an audience that makes them feel all of the things yeah. that you want them to feel or that you were feeling or whatever mm-hmm. in two and a half hours yeah. or in a song right two three three and a half minutes yeah. yep like AJR has a song that's uh 330 it's called 330 yeah and talks about like how am i supposed to tell you everything i want to say in three minutes and 30 seconds (laughs) and that's why like you have like like rizza and wu-tang clan making like 10 minute mixtapes yeah we won't get into that right now (laughs) but but um but yeah I, i think it's just it's such a like just engaging in that kind of thing yeah and 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 learning like reading it out of a book yep. or reading quotes or something like that is good. And I think Warner Herzog hits it right on that. Right. It right on that. But actually engaging in music, actually engaging yes. in right. media and right. people's stances on media, and why they think that thing, that's what's actually going to get you farther. Because right. especially if you want to be a creator for yourself. Right. Because if, if you you know, just watch tips and tricks and how right. to do this and how to do that. Those people, they haven't put the creative time in it. Right. Generally uh-huh. haven't put the creative time and energy in. It's like, how do you make a YouTube video or right. how do you write a song or how yep. do you make a movie? Like you push yourself to engage in those things. Right. And your creative vision will come to life from the things that you've experienced, the things that you watched, yeah. and that takes time, mm-hmm. right? So if if you listening are just, you know, at the start of that or you're in the middle of that or you think you're at the end of that, there's always more to be had for uh, creative growth and for, um, you know, your creative vision, yeah. right? And there's always something that you can learn from every piece of media yeah, out there. Absolutely. And only over time is that going to create you into the type of creator, into the type yeah. of writer, into the type of whatever right. whatever media you're in. Yep. Only over time is that going to create you into the one that you want to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like this whole idea of being able to, to, to pour all of your energy and emotion into passion and, and passion into uh, like one line or one phrase. Like... That takes work. Like that's yeah. that's the that's the art of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so my like my latest obsession is this uh, song by Elton John and like Elton John and Bernie Taupin were just uh, masters at this. Because sure. he's got this song where he's singing about uh, the melancholy of New York City, 
And there's this line that's like, Mona Lisa's and Manhatter's, sons of bankers, sons of lawyers, turn around and say good morning to the night. And so there's like so much is jammed into that, mm-hmm. like calling people Mona Lisa. So what, like yeah. that that in itself has like, it's got so much like, how do you interpret that? What does that yeah. mean? What does Mad Hatters mean? Sons of bankers, sons of lawyers. It puts a, a picture in your head yeah. and they turn around and say good morning to like, there's so much layered into that yeah i mean it's like yeah it's it it's poetry and like really good songwriting is absolutely 100 percent like really good poetry and yeah. i mean there are people who are who are absolute masters and that's why it. yeah that's why you see <laughs> i could talk about this for hours so, <laughs> so we know this is going a little bit off track <laughs> of the storytelling of the, uh-huh. <laughs> of the yeah. podcast but that's why you see like seven writers eight writers, nine writers, 10 writers, 11 writers right. at this high level of production yeah. of music Yep, because no Justin Bieber didn't write all of his own stuff on his latest album, mm-hmm. but seven different experiences, seven different yeah. livelihoods, seven different people. Like mm-hmm. you probably have a better product than you would. And, and that's its own thing. So yeah. I don't want to get mm-hmm. too far. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, get yeah. Too that right now, but. yeah, no. And I, I think the, the point is work at it. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, it's not something that you're just going to be able to to do. Yeah. Um, and it's something that you got to like intentionally do every time the opportunity comes up to think to yourself, hey, what would a good story about this be? Yeah. Yep. And there's a part of it that, like Jack said, is like you need to expose yourself to different uh, media because some media like uh, – like songwriting and poetry do it really, really, really well. And like good movies, good cinematography does it really, really, really well where it's like, I'm going to combine this amazing picture and this amazing dialogue and have this moment. And so just, um, you know, try and be uh, an artist, try Mm -hmm. and be a craftsman with your, with your storytelling. So all right, we have both finished finished our chest bursters martini. Hopefully, this I'm thing has not been <laughs> an hour and a half long. Uh, all right, until the next time, do what's right, love mercy, walk humbly, tell great stories, and drink superior spirits. Bye bye. <laughs>